Okay. Fathers, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We just thank you, Lord God, for this is a day that you have made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it, Father. We just thank you, Lord God, for this time in your word. We thank you, Father God, we are planted in good grounds. We thank you, Lord God, as we continue to go forth with this uh, word today that other people will be inspired and will get saved and delivered from this broadcast. We do give you the praise, honor, glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord God, for your word and what you're doing today. So today we're coming from part two, be planted, uproot the enemy. Don't let the enemy uproot you. That is part two of be planted, uproot the enemy. Don't let the enemy uproot you. Our focal scripture today is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 33. And if you would turn in your Bibles, um, for it says, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Part of the demonic assignment against the church is to bring about confusion. And our scripture tells us that God is not the author of confusion. So that lets us know when we see confusion taking place in the body of Christ that the enemy is the one that is at work because we talked in part one of be planted, how the enemy would like to disrupt relationships, different types of relationships from spousal relationships, parent child relationship, relationships with coworkers and relationships in the church. We know that that confusion is of the devil. It is not of God. Some of the agents of confusion that the enemy will use are simple misunderstandings. Now there's no perfect church. If there were the moment that you and I walk in, it's no longer a perfect church. So everybody in the body of Christ is prone to error, to, to mistakes. But there's a difference when you have errors and mistakes that are being made and when you have outright confusion. And the enemy loves to use misunderstanding. Simple misunderstandings that lead to major blowouts, major fights in the body of Christ. The enemy sits back and he just laughs because if he can get you to fight with your brother or sister in the church. then how many know you're no longer looking at the things that God has assigned you to do in that ministry? The ultimate goal of any ministry is to win the loss. And how can you win the lost if you're fighting amongst yourselves? How can you help bring about healing to those that are in the body that need healing physically, emotionally, mentally, and you're fighting amongst each other? You're fighting amongst yourselves because of misunderstanding. Let's go to the word in Matthew, Matthew 18, 20 and 22. It says, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. And that scripture is so important because it lets us know that God is in the middle of relationships. And those that are gathered in his name, he's there. And how many know when God is in the middle of something, that there's an anointing on it and there's a blessing on it. And that anointing will destroy yokes. 
And so what the enemy wants is to bring so much confusion that the people of God cannot get together and work as a team. There's no I in team. There's no big me, little you, little me, big you in team. But when the body of Christ really comes together, as the scripture says, when two or three, all it takes is two or three. The scripture doesn't tell us we have to have a thousand. Although the scripture says one will chase a thousand and two will put 10,000 to flight. But if you get two or three that are gathered together in the name of the Lord with no confusion, no misunderstanding. Then the Bible says, I am with them. God is with them. Jesus is with them. And how many know when we have God working on the inside of us and we're in union and right fellowship and right relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ, then God is in the middle of us and we can break yokes. We can set captives free. We can keep our deliverance because it's not just about getting delivered. It's about keeping your deliverance. If you look at the children of Israel, They were delivered out of Pharaoh's camp. But how many know that they walked around for 40 years, not 40 days, 40 years in the wilderness. And during that time, there were breaks in fellowship. There was idolatry. There was turning away from God. There was fighting amongst the brothers and sisters. So they did not walk into that which God had designed for them. So there's a such thing as being delivered out of bondage, but not walking into blessings and you're stuck in the wilderness. That's what happens when you allow misunderstandings and confusion to come into the body of Christ. For it says in scripture and that same that same scripture in Matthew 18, right after verse 20, where it says where two or three gather in my name. There am I with them. It says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Peter was really being sarcastic with Jesus. He was being sarcastic. He was like saying, in other words, this person is getting on my nerves. They've gotten on my nerves before. This is not the first time they've gotten on my nerves. So how many times do I have to forgive this person? Jesus in turn answered and said, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, this is not 77 times over a lifetime. That's per day. So that means that you ought to give your brother or sister forgiveness 77 times. We're reading Matthew 18, verse 21 through 22 out of the NIV. And it's specifically strategic as to why this scripture is followed after for where two or three gather in my name. There am I with them. How many know the Bible understood God understood when he written his word, what the enemy would try to use to disrupt his plan. Misunderstandings infighting. You know, how many know sometimes most of the fights, the big blowouts that happen in church, when you see people get uprooted, you see a family leave the church 
or an area of ministry really go through something. How many know it never starts over anything big? It always starts over something small. And whenever you have people that are very powerful in the spirit, you can see a, a major anointing under them. They come under attack. And a lot of times they just attack each other. And we're going to talk more about that later uh, throughout the message here. But sometimes, you know, it's just simple, basic misunderstandings. Oh, I said it wrong. No, you just you said it right. I just heard it wrong. A simple, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it that way. Will stop the plan of the enemy. But see, when you have pride, when pride comes in, pride will hinder you from being able to be humble enough to go back and say, okay, I have the title. I'm the leader of this area of ministry. But you know what? I did something wrong. I may be the department head, but that doesn't mean I'm right. I did something wrong. Let me go back to my brother or my sister and simply say, you know what? I'm sorry. Let's make this right between us. Let's do things the way that the Bible says for us to do it. Because when two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of them. Then we can truly see shackles broken off of people and they stay off. Then we can truly see people come out of bondage and not wander around in the wilderness but walk into the blessing that God has predestined for them. Because just because a person comes out of bondage doesn't mean they go straight into their blessing or their promised land. Look at the children of Israel. They were stuck in the wilderness. They were stuck in an in-between place for 40 years before they ever walked into the promise. So that means some of those people that came out of bondage didn't make it into the promise. They didn't make it into the actual blessing. How many know that you don't want to receive some of what God has for you? You want to receive all of what God has for you. And you want to maintain that blessing, that miracle. You want to keep your deliverance. It's not just about coming out. It's about maintaining. And it's about walking into. These are the agents of confusion, misunderstanding. Simple, basic misunderstanding amongst believers turn into some of the hugest explosions in church. And the reason is because of pride. You take two church members who both are anointed, appointed of God. You know, the worst thing is to have two prophets in an area of ministry because you take two different prophets and you put them, especially two female prophets. That's the worst. Because you take two prophets and you put them in the same area of ministry. All it takes is one word spoken. Either the wrong way or heard the wrong way. Simple misunderstanding lead to a breakdown of entire ministries. We're talking about being planted. Part two, be planted, uproot the enemy. Don't let the enemy uproot you. Do not allow misunderstandings to stop you from doing that, from moving out of your seat. Stay in your seat. God has set and assigned you to a specific house for a specific dispensation of time. 
to do a specific work in you and through you. And he will birth you out if you don't allow the enemy to uproot you. You have to begin to look at things from the spiritual mind instead of the natural mind. Because it is a spiritual warfare against the church. You have to remember that the enemy tries to war against the church. You are in a battle whether you want to be in a battle or not. This is not a time where you can sit back and say, well, I don't want to participate. Because trust me, brother and sister, you're in a battle whether you want to be in a battle or not. The enemy is constantly warring against you. So it's about time that you put on your spiritual armor and recognize the attack that is coming against you. It's not your brother or sister. It's not even you. It's the enemy coming. And these are some of the agents that the enemy uses against you. He uses misunderstanding. The enemy will use the most intelligent people to do the stupidest things. The stupidest things. The most intelligent people in the world, the enemy will try to use to do the stupidest things. He will try to convince you to step out of purpose As smart and as intelligent as you are, he will try to convince you to step out of purpose. And why? Because your purpose will destroy him. Your purpose alone. If you come into unity with your brothers and sisters in Christ, and the Bible says all you need is two or three, you can destroy the works of darkness. That's why the enemy would bring misunderstandings. And so you've got to lay down pride. Somebody has got to be humble enough to come back and say, you know what? I don't even care who's right or wrong, but I'm going to make this right. Why? So that I can be in unity with my brother and sister so that Christ can continue to flow on between the two of us. Because the scripture is clear. It says, there am I with them. He did not say there am I with one of them. He said with them. So that means the unity of the two or three gathered together in his name. That's where your anointing is coming from. You can do far more together than you ever could alone. And what the enemy tries to do is use personalities. Everybody knows there's different personalities. Everybody knows that. You take a preschool classroom and you put about 10 preschoolers in a classroom. In about two, three hours, you'll begin to see different personalities come out, even in two and three-year-olds. So everybody's got different personalities. It's not a personality contest. Check your neighbor and say, it's not your personality. Turn to your other neighbor and say, no, it's not your personality either. It's not a personality contest. So get your personalities out of the way. Get your feelings out of the way. Get Get your egos out of the way. Check your ego at the door. Check your title. It's not because you're a department head. It's not because this other person is a prophet to the nations. It's not either one of those. Check all that at the door. It's not either one of your doctorate degrees, master's degree, and all the other degrees that you have. Darling, it's the two or three gathered in his name. That's where the anointing lies. The two or three gathered together in his name. That's where you have the anointing. It's the unity of the faith. The unity. When the people were trying to build the Tower of Babel. They were trying to build the Tower of Babel. 
And the Lord looked and he said, wait a minute, we got to go down and confuse them. Because together, in essence, together, if they work together, there'd be nothing that they can't do. In other words, there's nothing that you can accomplish. Destroy the works of the enemy. Set the captives free. Loose the shackles of bondage. And completely terrorize the kingdom, the enemy's kingdom. I mean, completely terrorize it together. When two or three are gathered in his name, that's why the enemy brings misunderstanding. So somebody has got to lay down pride. Somebody has got to lay down their ego and say, you know what? It wasn't you. It was me. I'll take that. That was me. One of the agents of confusion is misunderstanding. Gossip and backbiting happens in the church every single day. There's no church across America, across the world, where there isn't gossip and backbiting. One of the reasons that people walk out of a church is because the people in the church cannot be trusted. Come on, body of Christ. Why is it somebody can't just share their testimony with you Without hearing it all over the church. They should not hear. What they told you in confidence. Anywhere else. Unless they chose to tell it again. Learn how to keep things to yourself. Between you and God. Because if you are in leadership. There are things that God is going to have people reveal to you. That they may not even reveal to their spouses. But that's not so you can spread it all over the church. Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so. That's so you can intercede for that person. Lots of times when God sends people to you. With a concern. He's not only ministering through you to them. But he's also ministering through them to you. It's the craziest thing, thing in the world. For a person to reveal and open up some of their hurts only for them to be thrown against them by people in the body of Christ. We're talking about being planted. Part two, be planted. Uproot the enemy. Do not let the enemy uproot you. These are things that the enemy uses to uproot ministries. There have been ministries that have been stopped in their tracks. Because of misunderstanding, gossip, backbiting, and confusion. Entire ministries. And this is before we even get to the warring spirits. Right now, we're talking about just us as human beings in the body of Christ. Because we're all imperfect people. And how many know that every time something happens, it's not the devil. Sometimes, it's the people. And until you look in your own member, mirror. And examine yourself. You won't see it. So you got to take a look at. Yourself. What are your actions? When there's a huge disruption in the church. What happened? What role did you play? How could you have. Changed that situation. And not only have you. Could you have changed it. If it's already happened. What can you do now? 
See, it goes back to letting down that pride and being humble enough to acknowledge the fact that two or three gathered in my name. There am I with them. He didn't say with you alone. He said with them. There am I with them. For what reason? To do exploits. They that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. That's the reason why he has gathered in my name. Two or three gathered in my name. God could have easily said, well, anybody that wants to do something in my name. But he said, where two or three gather in my name. That means you have to come together with people. And it's not enough to say, well, I have someone else on my team that's my favorite. No, darling, go sit down somewhere. Go sit down somewhere. That's not it. That's not it. You have to walk in peace. The Bible says. With all men. Do whatever it is you can to walk in peace. Whether they're on your team, in your ministry or not. That means if you know your brother or sister has offended you. You need to be going to them, even if they're not in your church anymore. The scripture tells us in Matthew 18, 15 through 17, reading from the English Standard Version. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. That does not mean go take a hundred people with you the very first time. That does not mean you go get your yes man and go. Or you go get your people to back you up and go. Or you spread it all over the church. That means go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Be a big girl. And go to your brother or sister. Be a big boy. Go to your brother or sister. This is how you snuff out the enemy. And keep him from being able to infiltrate the church and the ministry. This is how you eliminate the attack of the enemy. By simply doing what the scripture says. Do what the word of God says. If your brother or sister sins against you. Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. It goes on to read. If he listens to you. You have gained your brother. Now when it says if he listens to you. You have gained your brother. That means if they repent to you. That's it. You don't get to bring it back up later. Even if you have another offense about a totally different issue, you don't get to bring it back up later. You don't get to throw it back up at them and say, well, two months ago you did this. Why? Because the scripture just told you in Matthew 18, 20 through 22, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times, Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. So once you have gained your brother, that's it. It's over. Let it go. You don't get to record it in the back of your mind to use later. You're not following the gospel. You're not following the gospel. You don't get to bring it back up later. The scripture tells us, 
that love keeps no record of a suffered wrong. So that means something happens today. You go to your brother or sister. They repent unto you. You show them their fault between you and him alone. They repent unto you. And then two months from now, something else happens. And so now you want to bring up what happened today. Doesn't work that way. My brother and my sister go sit down and read the word. Go sit down and read the word. Turn to your neighbor and say, go sit down and read the word. Look at your neighbor on the other side and say, sit down and read the word. Because that's not scripture. It goes on to say, but if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you. That every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Now, if he does not listen to you, that's when you go to him the first time. If he doesn't listen to you the first time, okay, fine. You don't drop it there. You don't just walk away and say, you know what? I tried to talk to him or her. I'm done with the situation. I'm walking out the church. It doesn't stop there. God does not give you an out because you tried to talk to brother or sister so-and-so and and they weren't ready to hear it. No. It's on you. It's your responsibility. You're the one that's offended Not the person who committed the offense, but the person that is offended. Scripture says, if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you. Who are those one or two others? Not your good friends. That's going to take your side. I'm sorry to tell you, go sit down. That's not the word. Read the scripture. Tell one, say, darling, go sit down. Read the scripture. That's not the word. It says, take one or two others along with you. That every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So in other words, there should be two or three other people that say, okay, now I've been there with her or him. And they tried to resolve this issue. Guess what? The Bible doesn't let you out of it at that point either. Because the scripture goes on and says, if he refuses to listen to them. Tell it to the church. And in this case, you know, being in order, church means church leadership. It doesn't mean you stand up in, in front of the whole congregation and you start telling everybody your business and your sad story, trying to get people on your side. That's not what this means. Sit down and read the word. Okay? Go sit down and read the word. That's not what God is saying. What he's saying is go to your church leadership. Goes to those, go to those who are in authority that can help resolve matters. But how many know when you're mature in Christ, you shouldn't even be at the point where you're at verse 17. You should be at the point where you know how to go to your brother or sister and show them their fault between you and him alone. We're talking about being planted. Uproot the enemy. Don't let the enemy uproot you. Okay? If he listen, if he li- if he refuses to listen to them, Tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. That means people that you would avoid. But it doesn't mean people that you wouldn't love. Because the Bible tells you to love even your enemies. And the Bible even goes on further to tell you to bless those that curse you. Okay? Okay? So you don't have an out just 
to ignore a person after you've gone to the church. You have a responsibility as a man or a woman, God, not to get up and leave and run out of the church because your feelings got hurt, but to follow what scripture says. And that is to go to the word. Go to the word. Sit down, read the word. What does the word tell you to do? It tells you in Matthew 18, 20 to forgive them. It tells you in Matthew 18, 15 to go and show them your fault, their fault between you and them alone. Thank you so much for listening. Join us next week.